Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. Wow, this Survivor Series has been such a powerful one. I've heard from so many of you about how it's really impacted you and inspired you and opened your eyes to things. And I know it's done the same for me. And it's just been such um, just a pleasure and just a true honor to be able to share my friend with you. Thank you for coming back again, April. (laughs) Thank you. And today, um, as we mentioned already, we are going to talk with your sister and your sister Amy is here with us today. Welcome, Amy. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Well, we talked about the beautiful mess of healing, of abuse, of trauma, um, but the healing journey truly is that a beautiful mess. And there's some parts that were the messiest that can become the most beautiful. And the story that I want to hear from both of you today is exactly that is how a sisterhood, you know, could have been something that was never to be redeemed. It, you know, it was hard and there was things said or things unsaid or just pain and trauma and brokenness. But the reality is that if two people make a commitment to each other and offer grace and listen, it can totally change the trajectory of a relationship. And, you know, Amy, as I've walked with April through her healing and just being able to hear from her about how you've walked with her, you've grown with her, you've listened, you've learned, you've both tended this relationship from your own sides. Um, you've helped her be what she needed to be to heal. And she's helped you grow as well. It's so cool to hear that, but I want to hear, I want to hear from the two of you and um, April, I think I'd like to hear from you first today um, to just talk about the relationship before you found your voice. When we talk about it was messy. Like what really does that look like? I mean, we know there can be some messiness and some sisterhood, but Um, you know, walk us through a little bit of maybe what that felt like for you, because you didn't feel like you could tell your sister for a while. Correct. Um, I think it kind of takes me back to from the beginning of unleash. And then even our most recent interview, I just, I never felt seen by the people closest to me. Mm -hmm. I never felt like I was good enough. And I just, I never felt that any of them ever saw me because like I mentioned, if they'd seen me and I was enough, I wouldn't have endured that abuse. Mm -hmm. So I never felt seen. And I always wanted, you know, I talked about, I always wanted my parents approval. I thought I needed my, my dad, my daddy's approval to survive. And I don't think my sister ever realized how much I wanted her approval. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And being the big sister, I had always wanted her to look up to me and want that closeness because the thing is there is five years difference. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you're going through your adolescence, teenagers, twenties, things like that, there's not a lot of connection there. We're both kind of in different parts of our lives and whatnot. And we just weren't raised to be close. 
Mm -hmm. just weren't, it just wasn't the way we were conditioned. It's not the way we were raised. My mother wanted to be our best friend individually. So Mm -hmm. we weren't taught to be close, but the older I got, I wanted that so bad. Mm -hmm. And I never felt like I had her approval because I never felt seen because Mm -hmm. I never got to show who I really was and what I had really gone through and growing up. And then as we became adults, we got married, started having kids, you know, our own lives, we would get back together for, you know, holidays, family functions, dinners, you know, whatever it may be. And I became the black sheep of the family. I became the outcast. I became the bitch. And that just kind of, that was my new label. It was like, oh, she thinks she's too good for us now. Oh, she thinks that. And it was just like, no, I was finally, I was sick and tired of not showing who I really am. Yeah. So it's almost like the family rules of like, keep it surface. Don't show, um, imperfection. That's right. Especially as a big sister. I mean, even more so like you want yes. to be the role model. And if in yes. the family, a role model looks like someone who's painted on a perfect. Yep. Yeah. And, and Amy, I got so, very good at that, <laughs> but it's and still, Amy, would you say that you, you felt that same way? Like that's what you saw. And did you feel like you were kind of also walking through in that same family rule? Oh yeah. It was always, you know, she talks about seeking approval. Yeah. It was always you always wanted that reassurance. Mm -hmm. I think we all want that, but I do feel like it was a little bit more, you know, Mm -hmm. doing things. She talks about dad's approval, like 100%. You always wanted his approval because, you know, he's not very good at speaking his feelings. So Mm -hmm. when you're, when you're doing those things, it's like, okay, he's happy. Like, he, he's approval, like he's approving it. So but we had to find it. Box. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It was always wanting his approval because, because it felt good. Mm-hmm. I think everybody wants their parents approval and for girls, definitely their dad's approval. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just goes, I mean, I would love to, to kind of walk with you through April when you told Amy, um, your truth, but before that, I mean, wouldn't you say that there's so much to be said about the truth coming out, about the, the real things that you've endured, that it breaks everything. It breaks the mold. It breaks people down. If they're ready, if they're willing to hear it, it can lead to some of the most real relationships. And that's truly, I think the story between the two of you, it took you April being willing to crack the vase, you know, and look at what's inside, show your sister what was inside, but it's not only up to the person who takes that big courageous step. It's also up to the one receiving the information, the one who's now given the opportunity to look at the ugly And what are they going to do with it? So it's two sides and both sides have to be really brave and really open. Um, So let's, let's talk about that. April, when you, yeah, you decided to share with Amy, walk us through it. What did, what did it look like? Where were you? Did you call her? I was in my bathroom. I was in the kitchen. (laughs) 
Okay. And you were living and, in separate states. Yeah. Yep. I was currently in Texas mm-hmm. and we were talking about sexual abuse and the I forget movement. Yep. Yeah. We were, we were in the conversation and yeah, I said headlines, news headlines. That. Yes. Right, yes. Right. And because I you said, would regularly catch up over the phone. Yeah. It's we not talk like you had a broken day. relationship. Yeah. You would talk yeah. every day, but it was just more about what the kids are going through or, you know, the next softball game or whatever. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we are very in, even at that point, we've always been very involved in each other's lives. And we kind of, we got closer as adults because we started to learn, uh, maybe mom and dad weren't perfect. Maybe the way we were conditioned wasn't right. So we kind of started doing our own individual work and listen, my sister and I are the only two, there's four of us. My sister and I are the only two that got away from where we grew up. So leaving your hometown, leaving that community, traveling mm-hmm. the world, different mm-hmm. countries, different cultures, different people, that mm-hmm. in itself is an education. Mm-hmm. And when you are engulfed in other cultures, you kind of take, and the fact that we had each other to talk about those things, it was like, wait a minute, like, hold on a minute. Our upbringing was a little, so we learned that we were raised in a very patriarchal world, but Mm -hmm. Nicole, we did not realize that when we were in the midst of it, we thought, you know, we were, you were connecting on the fact that like you both were becoming more educated, more, um, open to things of the world. And you were able to discuss things that were going on around the world. And And that's what we were doing that day. That's exactly what we were doing that day. We were talking about current events. We were talking about the me too movement and how big things are. And we were just talking about sexual abuse and Amy, she literally made the comment. I'm so thankful that we've never had to endure something like that. I'm so thankful that we don't have something like that within our family. Mm -hmm. And I froze in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then what? And she was like, she got very quiet and I knew something was wrong. Mm, She was like, are you there? I was like, hello. (laughs) And she was not able to speak. And I Mm. instantly knew in that moment, okay, pull it together. Cause there is something. Mm -hmm. And, and you said, wait, what are you not telling me? Okay. Yeah. But then I also didn't want to pry either because if she wasn't ready, then she's not ready. It has Mm -hmm. to be when she's ready. Yeah. Yeah. But you knew in that moment that something had happened. Oh yeah. I remember freezing in my bathroom, like, okay, something's not right. I remember locking my bedroom door because I have three kids Mm -hmm. and knowing like in that moment, like, something is not right. And I wanted to, I was hoping to hear it out. Did you ask her or did you just give her time or? I think I was quiet because I'm good at that. (laughs) Um, I gave her time. Yeah. Till she could talk because she was emotional and she said it has happened to me. Mm. And I remember saying someone's name, there was like a family, a close family friend that always just kind of, I was never comfortable around. Let's say that. Um, 
you know, and I think that that also lightened the mood for a minute because it was like chuckle and, you know, and then she got very emotional. And in that moment, I guessed who it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that part, the fact that she was able to guess who it was without me saying it. Mm-hmm. I felt seen. Wow. But then on the flip side, it made so much sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was like everything just made so much sense. I feel like I just met my sister for the first time. Yeah. Yeah this whole side of her that she felt like for years she couldn't show like don't talk about this don't share this part of you stuff it deny it pretend it away and now you guys had this moment where she hinted to the fact that yeah something did happen and then you could actually guess and she felt so seen in that moment that I mean I feel that for you April like what did it what did it feel like at that point? Like, was it like, I now feel seen it's out there now I'm scared of what Amy's going to think or what we have to do, or was it just like this? Okay. There was no fear in, oh my God, what is she going to think of me now? Not an ounce of fear Mm -hmm. because it just felt the weight of the world was lifted Mm -hmm. and I think I mentioned that to you in my very first conversation with Unleashed, with the Unleashed Project. I mentioned when I said it out loud and I labeled it and I was able to come to terms with what had happened to me, I felt the weight of the world was lifted. Mm-hmm. And when I was able to tell somebody who is closer to me than anybody mm-hmm. that this horrendous thing happened. And she instantly was like, everything makes sense. It was like our whole childhood, our whole lives, everything flashed in front of our eyes. And she saw me. I think I actually said that to her. I said, everything makes so much sense. And I had to take a moment because I did. I replayed so many things back and I I can't explain it, but in that moment, everything made sense. My Mm -hmm. entire childhood, Mm -hmm. how she was always perceived. She was perceived as, oh, you know, she just thinks she's better than us. You know how she is. But really, like, did anybody stop and say, hey, what's wrong? Why Mm -hmm. are you acting like that? And I wish I would have. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. you're when you don't grow up in a home that. Mm -hmm. really talks about those types of things that never Mm -hmm. once crossed my mind. Yeah. And and it's not as if we grew up in a home that didn't talk. I think we did talk Mm -hmm. about things, but it was never about sexual abuse. And Mm -hmm. I think it's happening everywhere. And because it's happening everywhere, some people think, oh, well, it happened to them too. And somehow that makes it okay. And that doesn't make it okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, 
from what I've heard you talk about, you know, a lot of times the reason you were perceived as like, she's better than us, or she thinks this about herself was because you didn't feel like going to family functions. That's <laughs> right. I so. Exactly. I hated it. Yeah. I hated it. So I there was around. never a question as to, well, is there something that makes you uncomfortable? Exactly. Or someone and that's what I mean. or yeah, or some place that we're meeting at, like, what is it? It was just always like, well, here she goes again. That's you know? exactly what it was. Yep. I would have given, I think about that sometimes, Nicole, like what if my mom would have been, what if she would have just reacted and Hey, are, why are you feeling uncomfortable? Or, Hey, why do you not want to meet us here? Or, Hey, why do you not want to come to the house? You know, are you okay? How are you feeling? What's going on? There were never any questions. It's just like, why are you being so difficult? Suck it up and deal with it. And there were a couple of times when I was open about uh, not getting along with that specific person. And she was like, oh my gosh, we're all getting together. The family's getting together. You guys just need to suck it up. Everybody needs to get along. Mm -hmm. So, and she would always say, sometimes in life, you just got to be the bigger person. Guess what? I've been the bigger person my whole entire life. My whole entire life. I've been the bigger person. I sucked it up. I handled it. I dealt with it. I endured it for years. And you simply said, I don't want to go to that. Like that's yeah. Yeah. And I was a bitch because I said, I didn't want to be there. I was ruining the whole. I think a lot of it is perception as well. You know, everybody, I don't think like for me personally, I never really got to think about my feelings a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just, I don't, I don't really know how to describe it, but we're doing this and this is what we're doing and make it happen. It's the loss of control. You know, you, so many families, I feel like go through this, especially when it's like a patriarchal family or just heavy authoritarian on the parents, like kids, even in their forties still feel like they have no voice. They feel like they just have to go through the motions of whatever the parents say they're doing. And that's not having any agency as an adult to be able to make your own decisions. Like there's so many survivors that I've met that have children and they are doing their own family life. And then when it comes to like what their parents say is happening, they, they become little kids again. It's like, no, you're actually an adult with children. You can make decisions now, but But it's that that trauma response. Yes. And then that conditioning it yeah. is, it is wired so deeply within us, the way we were conditioned. And mm-hmm. when it is your parents speaking, you go back to being that child. I don't care how old you are. Yeah. You go yeah. back to being the child. Like, okay, I need to be respectful of my mother and my father because that's what you're supposed to do because that's what a good child does. Right. Shut your mouth, mm-hmm. be seen and not heard. Do what I tell you you know, and again, protect the perception of our perfect family. I told you, Nicole, I am sick and tired of living my life, protecting the perception of our perfect family. Yeah. Because at the same time, you know, maybe our family is looking perfect, but like who's protecting her. Thank Mm -hmm. you. And that's the kind of sister that so many of us wish we had a sister who could say that in the face of a large family, a large respected family, a large family with, you know, a lot of clout in the community and 
with a big voice and, you know, all of that to have a sister to say that. I mean, that, I think that does a lot for, means a lot to a lot of the survivors listening to elevate your sister above all of the family dynamics, all of the expectations, all the family rules up until this point to say, but what about her? Yeah. I just see what she's going through and she's, she's doing the work and they're not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amy, if we could go back to that conversation where you listened, you gave her time, and then you guessed the person and she felt very seen. What did you feel? I imagine you could feel scared, you know, or what do I do now? Or I did. I felt, I felt a little confused, Mm. but also I know I already said it, but so much just made sense. Yeah. And at that point, I didn't have a relationship with that person anymore. Okay. And I didn't let that interfere how I felt with the news that she gave me. Yeah. But again, it made so much sense. I think my questioning would be with my parents. Mm-hmm. I think I asked her that. I said, have you talked to mom and dad about this? And she okay. said, no. Mm. Um, so I did have questions with that. Yeah. And I don't know what my expectations were. I know what my expectations were, um, but I didn't know how they would react or if that was a conversation that, that they have had yet. But my expectations were not met. And that's something that I'm still dealing with. How things played out later, um, as we talked about in the first two podcasts about April, then talking to the parents, those expectations for you weren't met because you hoped they would step up. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, I have three kids Mm -hmm. and I think about something like that happening and you can say what you would do in that moment, but until you're in that moment, you don't know what you would do, but I'd like to think I'm banging down that door until I know my child is okay and mm-hmm. we're going to do the work together because mm-hmm. I'm here for you. And Amy, you have been such an advocate for April through this process. I know she's been able to lean on you. I mean, with all of this and you have been, you know, in conjunction with her therapist and her husband and other people in her life, you have been the sounding board. You've helped her plan the conversation, plan the text messages, plan the outcomes if they say this or that. And I think that's so important to have somebody like that in our lives when we're in the thickest parts of making these decisions and having confrontations and all of that. Um, I guess my question, I have a few questions for you, but for one, like this isn't something that you've ever learned. Like you prior to April disclosing to you, you weren't a social worker. You weren't close friends with survivors. You haven't been reading books about this kind of stuff to know how to respond. I mean, a lot of times the responses of people who we really trust aren't great. And I think yours has been really great, but you've not been trained. 
what is it that you feel like helped you um, to be what April has needed in at certain moments? I don't really know the correct answer to that, but mm-hmm. I've, I've been away from family for 17 years. Okay. So I think as time goes on, you realize where your relationships are with people in your family. Mm-hmm. And my response to her was no thought behind it. I just responded Yeah. and my sister's hurting. So, you know, if she's hurting and she's coming to me about something like this, I instantly just feel the need to do whatever it is to help her and make her feel better. Yeah. Yeah. And not having the, the ties as much as you did when you were younger to where you would feel like you had to second guess or defend or be in the midst of it. I think, you know, you had, you had grown up, you had created your own family, you created your own life, you met other people and you know what it, what it's like to need someone there for you. So I think that really helped you. And also April, didn't you kind of coach Amy in some ways as to how to respond to you? I mean, you wouldn't have said it that way, but I do feel like there's something to be said about your ability to say, Hey sis, like, this is what I need right now. You know, a conversation we did have was about her going to our parents and talking to them. I think listening to her talk about when she were to have that conversation with our parents what she was hoping for, what she thought might happen. I think that conversation helped me understand what she needed from me because I heard what she needed from my parents. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. So you were listening with the intent to support her, but also understanding, okay, this is what she needs from them. I can be that too. Yeah. Yeah. Just so I was taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I yeah. appreciate that. Because if she wasn't going to get it there, at least I could do my part and give it here. Hmm. It may not be enough because I'm yes. not my dad. Nope. But I can nope. at least. <laughs> I'm going to interrupt you there because it was everything. Yeah your acceptance. Another thing is too, I never question it. Mm. There was no questioning. I, I never question it. And I think that's a big thing too. Never questioned whether she was telling the truth. Right. Never question it. Never asked her why now, why now after all these years, Mm. It, it never went through my mind. And I think that that's a lot of questions that people do get. Yeah, you're right. Or and that's where help. the, that's where the break in trust comes. That's where oh, you're not as safe as I thought. Exactly. Or, you know, I, a survivor could never, could never that, respond the way April was right now. Like so emotional right. saying it was everything. It's everything because you weren't doing all of this other ridiculous stuff that doesn't need to be said. And the fact that it never but, even crossed your mind is shows your heart. Sorry, April. but no, 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 you're fine. But what people don't understand is just her believing me on the spot 
validating it, hearing me, just believing somebody on the spot is everything. Mm-hmm. I, I, it sounds so minuscule. It sounds so simple, yeah. but just, she didn't try and fix it. She mm-hmm. didn't try and say, okay, let's do a, B and C. Oh my gosh. Did it, you know, it, she didn't try and fix it. She listened. She heard it. She believed it. She mm-hmm. validated it and was there. Mm-hmm. It's so simple, but it yeah. was everything because a lot of times survivors are met with, well, why now? Yeah. What's the point of this now? Are you sure that really happened? You say you don't remember certain things. So if you don't remember, are you sure it really happened? Listen, your body knows when it has endured abuse, mm-hmm. your body knows. Yeah. And it's not someone else's job right. to sift through all the nitty gritty details. Just be an Amy, <laughs> just sit. That's right. Listen. That's right. I don't know yes. about all that. <laughs> and take notes. <laughs> and take notes. That's right. The way. But you, no, you know, you think... make in that comment, take notes. She mm-hmm. was listening to everything I was saying right. and making those mental notes. Mm-hmm. Hey, I want mom and dad to respond like this. I want to be able to tell mom and dad, you know, and like she just said, everything she said she wanted from our parents. Okay, I can be that. I didn't even realize that that's how she interpreted. I didn't realize that that's, she was truly hanging on my every word of how I was going to handle telling my parents, telling our family. And she was like, okay, this is what she needs. And I love that because it helped me feel seen. And like, it really mattered. I mean, this isn't like, she's like doing a million things at the same time, listening to you talk about the worst part of your life, you know? And then she's like, well, I got to run. Like I'm at the drive-thru. Like, no, like she is letting you know, this really matters. And I want to say like, this is a relationship that so many survivors long for, but are afraid to go for you know, there's such fear that the relationship will change if the truth comes out. Um, but your story together is such an example of how it can go exactly right. But I even said that to Amy when I was standing here and she said, I'm so thankful that we've never endured something like that within our family. Mm -hmm. And when we got to the point of wait, she was like, wait, what are you not telling me? And then when I finally found my words and told her, well, I I actually have gone through that. And I even said to her, I don't want this to change anything. I don't want you being upset. I don't want you being mad. I was so worried about her. I was so worried about. You were like worried. You were worried about me. (laughs) But I've always been, that's just the big sister in me. Yeah. And it's the survivor in you. We don't want our stuff to ruin. Yeah everything else. Like we don't want to be the reason that someone else feels bad. Like literally survivors will never tell because they don't want someone else to have a bad day by hearing bad news. Like that's right. That's right. And I didn't want to ruin her. I didn't want her being upset. I didn't want her being mad. I didn't want her being angry at our family. I didn't want her to finally see the ugliness of our family. I didn't want she, she had started to see that the perception of our perfect family was not real. Which so I helped you to feel like, yes. okay, I think she can handle this because yes. she's already handled these things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
And so it just, I think it helped in that, in that situation at that time. But I, I was very fearful of her seeing me even more flawed. I was scared because I was conditioned and raised to portray this perfect perception. Listen, mm-hmm. everybody thinks I've got it all together mm-hmm. because of the perception yeah. that is out there. Mm-hmm. And half the time I'm a hot mess, <laughs> <laughs> but Hey, we got very good at the perception and we got very good at protecting ourselves and not showing all the parts of us and got, and got very good at being okay with that too. But when you truly cannot share who you really are, who, who, how can people truly love you if you don't show it all? How can, how can you really have real relationships, that closeness, that sisterhood, that best friendship, that all of it, how can you not truly connect and be close to somebody if they don't know you? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is I truly know her and it's a raw, honest, great relationship versus what are people going to think? Let's do this. Let's do that. I don't want to live like that anymore. That Mm. listen, I am too old to be playing it out in my head, how other people are going to perceive it. Yeah. I don't care how people perceive it. It's exhausting. Give her, that, like, you like it or you don't. And if you don't, that's fine. You're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Well, and here's the thing. And Amy and I say that all the time. Listen, I am not everybody's cup of tea. And that used to be debilitating for me. When mm-hmm. I realized somebody didn't like me, it crushed me. Why yeah. am I not good enough? Why do they not like me? Why do they think this? Why do they think that? But here's the thing. I don't like everybody. So why should I expect everybody to like me? Mm -hmm. And I always say, if they get to know me and they choose not to like me, that's okay. It's the ones that judge me before knowing me that I've always had a very hard time with. But if you get to know me and I'm just a little bit too much for you, that's okay. And I want it to be because I'm too much for you. Because guess what? I'm living out loud now. And if you don't like that, you're not my people because you've obviously got some secrets and demons that you haven't come to. So that's okay. Work on you and then come be extra with me. <laughs> well, and I think it's refreshing too, to know you're just not liked for truly being you, yes. not for premeditating what you think is going to make other people like you. That's and right. I think that's a big difference as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we, as women get caught up in being that though. I think we, It's exhausting, but I think that we all want to be accepted, especially survivors, because we just, it's wired within us that this happened because we weren't good enough. This happened because nobody loved me. This happened because I wasn't seen all of those demons in that darkness. And so once you can just let that out, understand it wasn't you understand. Yes. This horrendous thing happened. It wasn't because you weren't lovable. It wasn't because you were flawed. It wasn't any of those things. It was the sickness within that person that did that. So Mm -hmm. when you can come to those terms and then just live out loud and find your people, all the other naysayers and the ones that deem you as too much or don't like you. It's okay. Cause you don't like everybody either. 
Mm -hmm. Well, and I think April used the term in the last episode, ride or die type person. I'm very much that person as well. So Mm -hmm. I'm gonna, she's not getting rid of me. I'm here to help her through it Mm -hmm. and snowplow anybody in the way that I need to. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you, Amy, about the decisions that you then made. I mean, April had to make decisions. She made confrontations. She gave opportunity for people to hear her truth and come alongside or to deny and step out of her support. Um, She had to make decisions on who was now allowed to enter her home. And you not having been abused in this situation also made those decisions because of her abuse. And I think that's really important. Um, For me, hearing April share with me, you know, the boundaries that you then set with family members, family members who chose to abuse, family members who chose to not believe it, family members who chose to believe it, but chose to, to have a deeper relationship with the abuser. Like it's interesting how it affects everybody. And we all have to make decisions on where we're going to set our boundaries. You chose to set boundaries in a way that honored April that helped her feel like you two were ride or die. Like she wasn't alone in these hard decisions. She, because had you not decided to set these boundaries yourself, April, I don't think Amy would have continued to be as safe as she is now. Right. I agree. If she did not implement the boundaries that she has, Mm -hmm. when she implemented those certain boundaries and when she spoke up to my parents and let them know how she felt and she can speak on that herself, when she did that again, she made me feel so seen. And our relationship became more important and growing up, not being that close, that again was everything to me because I was very scared at the beginning. I was very scared to tell my sister about my abuse because I didn't want that to break her relationship with our parents, our siblings. I didn't want it to ruin her relationships. Like you already mentioned, we are so scared to ruin people's day. We don't want to hurt people. We don't want to ruin somebody's relationship, somebody's situation. And I was scared that it was going to change her relationships, but deep down you hoped it would. The thing is it did change her relationships with certain people and it has to, but it made me feel more seen. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Because I would sit there and say, well, I don't want this to change anything. But then I was like, but hold up. If you don't have my back, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you never said that. I can't imagine. I, I imagine no, you let Amy make her own that. decisions there, but you were okay. sitting there hoping and praying. <laughs> right. But yeah. I didn't feel that in that, in that moment, I truly was so pure and innocent coming to her and just truly saying, I don't want this to change anything. I don't want this to change your relationship with so-and-so and so-and-so. But then it was like, we started to really get into the nitty gritty of everything. And then I'm like, hold up. If I don't get this react now, I didn't say that to her, of course, right. You're but in thinking my mind, it. I would yeah. tell Jeff, listen, if she doesn't react like this and she doesn't have my back, <laughs> yeah, it's but, true, but you did time, let her, but every time a situation would arise, 
oh, she proved to me where her loyalty lies. And that's all mm-hmm. I need. Mm-hmm. That's all I need. So give me an example of what that looked like. <laughs> me or her. <laughs> I'll give the example what that <laughs> I remember her reaching out to our parents and I think the easiest way to say it, they quite frankly, they weren't ready to hear it. Mm-hmm. As I'm sure most parents probably feel like. Sure. And to me, that was just unacceptable. Because in that moment, you can't think about your own feelings. You need to think about the person that's going through it. And I guess that's where I had a hard time. Yes, you may feel sad. I feel sad too. But it didn't happen to me. It's not about me. Mm -hmm. It's about her. And the sooner you can learn that, the sooner you can work on your relationship. And are these things you spoke to the family members? Like, did you say these things? Did you have conversations with your parents? I did. To defend her, to help them see her side. I did. And I think that was very hard because I've never had a deep conversation with my parents about that because Mm -hmm. there was nothing in my life that I disagreed with maybe how they felt Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. needed to have those hard conversations. Mm -hmm. But this was the first time that really stands out. I mean, maybe petty things when we were kids, Mm -hmm. but I'm saying as an adult, this is the first time that I had to sit there and say, I don't agree. I'm disappointed. Your behavior is not okay. And I said those things Wow. and it is hard, but it's what I believe in. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of what I believe in. Mm -hmm. I love who I am and they should be proud that I feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, not how it was perceived. And I think they're so into being upset, which rightfully so I'm not taking that away, but you need to take your feelings and put them aside. Because if you feel like that, can you even imagine how she's feeling? Mm -hmm. And I think when they can finally do that, then they can do the work and have that relationship again. But until that they can do that, there's no moving forward. And that's the conversation I had with them. Wow. That was really brave. And it needs to be said that it's not like for all these years, you didn't have a relationship with your parents. Yes. You moved away. Yes. For 17 years, you were doing your own life, but I mean, you were bringing your children home and you were regularly visiting for holidays. I mean, you would stay with them. So this is it wasn't just like, oh, we already don't have a relationship. So I'm just going to be able to say what I want to say. No, like this was a really brave step for you with repercussions. Yes. And I will say this on her behalf. It's the first time that she truly stood up to our father. Mm, Wow. And I know that that's very heavy for her. Mm. It was heavy for me. The first time I stood up to him too. 
And I know how hard that was for her because like I've already mentioned her and I, we are more alike than what we've ever realized. And we both needed daddy's approval. We both needed him to love us and accept us and validate us and, and be our everything. And so we never ruffled his feathers. We did Mm -hmm. everything we, we could to make him proud, make him love us more just to get that affirmation. So for her to stand up to him and say, nope. Mm-hmm. your the way you are behaving is unacceptable and that, that is, is what daughter. I said. and that's what she said to him that is your daughter well mm. and for me it's very black and white it's this is wrong and this is right and there's no gray area and I don't understand not just my parents but anybody out there I don't understand the gray area there's mm-hmm. no gray area none Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have a hard time understanding. I would rather have one person like this in my life to be raw. You really know who they are, have a true relationship than any other relationship worrying about perception, what people think life's too short for that. I want raw, real people in my life. Yeah. And I think that's been the biggest blessing Mm -hmm. is yes, I finally realized who my sister was and going through this with her, but also gaining like the best person ever. Mm -hmm. I agree. Wanted to remind you, precious listeners, about our nonprofit that works to stop child sex trafficking through education, relationships, and resources for those most vulnerable. We're ramping up our summer programming and in need of donor support. If you found this podcast helpful over the years, would you consider giving a one-time or even a monthly donation to our nonprofit, One Voice for Freedom? You can do that by simply visiting this website, onevoiceforfreedom.org and click give. That's onevoiceforfreedom.org. Also, we just opened registration for our next online survivor group. Unleash is an eight-week e-course featuring film, storytelling, journal exercises, and a virtual support group for the healing journey from sexual abuse. Would love to have you join us. Space is limited, so sign up now at iamonevoice.org. That's I am one voice.org and click on the unleashed banner at the top of the page. And not only how you went, Amy, from like not thinking much about these kinds of topics ever to now, like from what April shared with me, you are not only advocating for you, your family, your sister, but Also for others, like suddenly there's other people who are trusting you with their survivor stories out of nowhere. And you're becoming like a voice and an advocate for people. Um, It's just amazing how that can happen. Can you talk a little bit about that journey for you? Yeah. I think once my sister was talking to me about it, you know, Mm -hmm. I have a few friends that I've met, um, in this lifestyle, being a military spouse, you kind of get a few families that are lifelong friends. And 
those are the people that become your family. Mm-hmm. Um, so once she was comfortable with me talking about my, my family or how, you know, it changed because these people know me and they know, you know, you're not, things are different. What's going on? You know, they have questions. And once she was comfortable and I asked her first, you know, are you okay with me talking about your sexual behaviors? And she's like, yeah, sure. Um, I talked to my friends about it. And I think in that time, me talking about my sister and what's going on, the trouble with my parents and their reaction, it triggered something with one of my close friends. And she opened up to me about something that happened to her as a young girl. And I think learning what I learned through my sister, I was able to be what she needed. Yeah. And amazing. It's so amazing. In return, she opens up to her parents about it (laughs) and, you know, and then that mom's going to her sister, finding out her sister went through the same thing and so on. And so Mm -hmm. my sister's story has touched so many people Mm -hmm. already. Yeah. And I think that that's such a great thing, taking something like, you know, that situation and turning it into something so beautiful. And she Mm -hmm. may not look at it like that, but she's all her story alone is already helping other people oh my and gosh, so many that's yeah. what it's about yeah 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 but also how it's now partly your story amy because through your sister's story you have learned what it means to sit and listen what it means to learned. take notes what it means to be a safe place to not judge and not ask the dumb questions, but to support and to give other people, you know, the, the place where they can process and plan their steps, you know, and to talk about hard things and to know that that actually makes a difference in the lives of others to be able to share stories. I mean, all of that stuff. And just the last year and a half, I just can't get over all of this has happened in a year and a half, you know, and that now April, you finding your voice has helped another survivor. You don't even know about to find her voice through your sister. It's just such an amazing, just weaving just this, like this tapestry of of beauty and it's a a mess of of strings, you know what I mean? Broken strings. Right. But again, this is just where I just, I want more people to talk about it. I know I've mentioned, I just, I truly believe that you can't heal what you don't reveal. And if we don't reveal things and talk about things, not just our own healing, but it opens up this world of everybody like, oh, like she's totally being open about something like that. Wait, we can talk about stuff like that. And then it's Mm kind of like me too, sis, me too, me too, me too. Yeah. And I just, I think it's amazing that more people can just feel seen and heard by somebody else's story. And I love the domino effect that kind of transpires. I love that. Right. Yeah. The strength of the sisterhood, I think is so powerful, not only between you, but then it just kind of has ripple effects into other relationships, coworkers or friends, or, you know, the community, our kids, parents, you know, 
Um, kids, definitely yeah. kids. I think that's another very big part that has changed for me personally. Okay. Because it's having those conversations with my kids. Mm. I have opened up that window. It has changed 100% how me and my husband are parenting. Mm. We've had those hard conversations. My kids are fully aware of this situation and it's preventing it not to happen in your home. Mm -hmm. Mm. Not saying that that could 100% prevent it, but it's having those conversations, having that open window, Mm -hmm. letting them know this is not okay. Yeah. It's having those uncomfortable conversations. Mm -hmm. And it's teaching them the red flags. It's teaching them what to look for. It's teaching them, you know, we, like you already said, we do have those uncomfortable conversations with our children, educating them on consent, educating them on what to look for. Definitely. Yes. And being in tune to their own bodies. Yeah. Well, and I can say that's not a conversation I had as a child. I was going to say that too, like trusting what your body is feeling. I feel uncomfortable right now. Maybe I should tell my mom, like the two of you never felt like that. You had to pretend it away or think, well, I probably should like this. Yeah. (laughs) I should like this attention. Yeah. Well, and for, well, that's the thing we were raised that listen, I've already said we were raised in a patriarchal world and that was our environment and it was a man's world. And maybe my mom didn't use the words, honey, your body is for a boy. Your body is for men. That's what we're here for. But it was very conditioned in our wiring, what we were to be. We were supposed to be that 1940s stay at home, mama, barefoot and pregnant, have the dinner ready. Listen, that is not me. It may be my husband making my plate. No. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> my husband, no, sorry. And, but for very, for a long time, we should have Jeff on here for time. a part four. Would you, I know, right? We should have Jeff <laughs> on here for a part four. Oh, Jeff I'm here love for it. it. <laughs> I know, right? Let's do it. Bring in the men. <laughs> so, about that plate you be making April every day. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not like that. It is not like that. But I think that when I was enduring the abuse, I think I told you about a story. I would hear my mom coming and I'm like, Oh, she's going to catch him. She's going to catch him. Mm. And it didn't happen. And then as an adult, my mind goes back to that, but did she catch him? And did we normalize it? And I do have those kind of questions because we were conditioned to believe that our bodies as women are for men. Yeah. And so as a kid, if you ever felt uncomfortable around somebody, you, Yeah. But now as a mom, both of you educating your kids on listen to your body and you have a voice and tell me if blah, 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 or say no, or that's right. It's so different. It's so flipped. It's you completely flipped the script from the last generation from how I want to be. I want to be. Yeah. And my goal is to be the chain breaker period. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it, whether anybody likes it or not. I'm, I'm asking all the questions to the point where my kids are like, mom, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> You're like, okay, finally. I was what? just trying to get to that. <laughs> yeah. I want to check, check those boxes. 
if I'm asking them too many questions, I'm okay with that. Yeah. If we're having the conversations, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's my it's important to my sister and I to end the generational curses, to end that generational trauma, to mm-hmm. end that with yeah. our yeah. children. Cause her and I we're doing the work with ourselves. So mm-hmm. I, I've already mentioned I'm killing two birds with one stone. I'm going to honor and show grace within the inner child in me. And I'm also going to show my children that this is the way we do things. Mm-hmm. You don't like something or you don't feel comfortable. Remove yourself. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to say hi to him. You don't have to give him a hug. I've seen my daughter side. eye many people and I stand there and fully 100% condone it. And I think that that's something too. It's um, letting your kids know do what makes you happy. Be who you want to be. Yeah. I just told my daughter this morning before dropping her off at school, have a great day. Go be yourself. Because when you go to bed at night, you are happy because you know, you were no one else. You were you. Everyone else is already taken. Yep. Mm. That's right. That's right. And embracing that and loving who she is through all the weird teenage years. But the thing is, a lot of parents really think they're not going to listen to me. I'm just their mom. That's fine. But they are listening. They are they're watching listening. you. They are listening. They are taking notes. And yeah. they come home to you every day. They don't yeah. go home to little That's Timmy true. and little Sally. They come home Timmy. to you. It's always Timmy and Sally. <laughs> That's so funny. And it goes back to what we I was talked just... about earlier, wanting the parents' approval. All kids want their parents' approval. Yeah, which and we're throwing they that might shit out the push window. It. They might want to push against it. They might test it, but yes. in the end, they do. It is true. Yeah. Well, yeah. and at the end of the day, I just want them to be the best version of them they can be. Be you. That's right. That's right. You're what not here to please me. me. That's right. Yeah. You're it's not here. You. That's right. That's right. It's your body, your life, your mm-hmm. decisions. You mm-hmm. are not placed here on earth to appease me as your mother. Mm-hmm. You are here to glorify God and love yourself. Period. Just to be a good human, you know? Yeah. Just be don't you. go out there and be a shitty person. <laughs> exactly. Well said. Treat others how you want to be treated. You know, that's all you got to do. Be right. kind. But do you understand how many parents really are not having that conversation? having no conversations At and all. I think you're right a lot of it comes to like well one they're busy and they have their own lives or they're really self-centered but I think you're right the ones who are trying to talk to the kids they often feel like well they're not really listening anyways but listen yesterday I was talking at my kid for a long time, <laughs> very passionately about various topics and I could tell it was like okay she's using so so many words right now, (laughs) you know, he's so tuned out, like playing with a Rubik's cube and just not here for it. But I kept thinking what I'm saying really matters. And if any of this sticks, it really matters. So I kept going, but I could tell again, like, I'm not getting eye contact, nothing. And I'm just like, well, we'll see. Then that night, last night in bed, it was like, he then sparked the question of like, okay, like, you, you and dad were talking about a lot of things today. (laughs) Yep. 
You know how like sometimes we'll leave like background music on. I think we truly become our children's background music because if we just continue to repeat, repeat, repeat. I'm playing that beat all day. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm telling you, it resonates. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he said to me, he was like, if I were to sum it up, is this what you were saying? And he said, what I said in 30 minutes of a monologue, very well-written speech, (laughs) he said it in like two sentences. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I could have said it like that, but I wasn't sure you were listening, but you know, he was listening and he was able to summarize. These children can multitask. I'm telling you this generation, they can multitask. You Well, while rolling their eyes. But yes. it, it just, it gave me, you know, a sense of relief that it did sink in. Yes. And, he and was you think about they're it. not listening because there's lack of eye contact. They're not paying yeah. attention. They're doing something else. Yeah. Listen, they are, they're little sponges and they are hearing it all and seeing yeah. it all. Yeah. I'm yeah. telling you, I just, yeah. and, and I, the king of eavesdropping. So I know he's listening. Yeah. 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 He can I tell they're always all the, like conversations. Listen, my kids are always ear hustling. <laughs> That's a new one, April. You like that? I do. Yeah. But That's what I so just true. love about all of this though, is like, we are the generation and you two just give me so much hope because it's like, you're, you're upbringing was very extreme when it came to this stuff of, of not talking about things, not, you know, growing up and trying to figure out the world with no real clue and feeling like you were out there to just be kind of used and not really allowed to take up space unless someone said you were supposed to like, and now you are leading the charge with our kids to change this next generation, to know all of this stuff, to have a voice, to um, respect others, you know, to make good decisions and to stand up for themselves. And that is so inspiring. Like you guys just give me so much hope when I start to think this world is hopeless. Like (laughs) it's a sisterhood, this sisterhood of yours and the way that you're parenting, not only your kids, but their friends. Um, You know, it's just really, it's really inspiring. It's really inspiring. It's important to teach our kids boundaries as well. Boundaries are huge. And it's okay to have those boundaries because somewhere in you, you know that you're not okay with it. So you're going to set that boundary and Mm -hmm. you have to do what makes you comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because it's truly about your inner peace and being happy. Yeah. Yeah. With yourself first. Again, another one that you've just completely flipped growing up, you know, April, you've said it many times that you were to be seen and not heard. And now your kids will be heard. Oh, they will will all be heard. heard. Yes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe a little too far with (laughs) just joking. No, no, no. It's never too far. I love it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, um, as we are wrapping up, what would you say if you had a room full of survivors surrounding you right now, Amy beside you? what would you say to those they're fearful? They're fearful. This will change the relationship they have with the person that's top of mind. I want to tell this person, but I'm so afraid it's going to change everything. It's going to wreck shop. It's gonna, you know, will it be worth it? What would you say? 
it will be worth it. And yes, it will change the relationship. And when you sit there and think, I'm so scared, this is going to change the relationship. It's going to ruin it. It's going to no. it will make it more beautiful than anything that you can imagine. Mm-hmm. It's so it's my scary. favorite relationship. She Say that again. is one of my favorite people. It's my favorite relationship. I, I have the best person on my side. Mm-hmm. Like I feel privileged. And it only got better when she so much better because you her truth. Yeah. It's living a true life, not living a false life. And isn't that what we all want? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to fully be seen. Mm-hmm. And don't you want, and, and asking survivors, don't you want somebody, even if it's one person, don't you want somebody to really see you yeah. to really fully see you? I lived my whole life, never being seen. I never had real relationships. Mm-hmm. Those were all surface relationships. They weren't real. Mm-hmm. My relationships now are everything. Mm-hmm. I get to say my sister is my best friend. And that was something we weren't taught. And I didn't get to say that oh. as an adult, I get to say my sister is my best friend that came out of my abuse that came out of me owning the darkest parts of me of coming out with the ugliest part of me. I gained the most precious, honest real relationship ever. And it was a domino effect for everybody else. My husband fully sees me. My children fully see me. My girlfriends fully see me. My people fully see me. And it's amazing that they all still love me. And some of them love me even more. Well, and it's changed my parenting, my relationship how my kids see me, how I parent them growing. I've done so much growth in a year. Hmm. So by her telling me her truth, it's changed who I am. Hmm. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It wasn't only for her. So the fear of not telling because you're afraid it's going to change everything. Yeah. It changes everything. And some things will be really hard, but some things can be really, really good. Not just for the survivor, but the one you're choosing to tell. I love that you're saying that Amy, because we don't think about that. Like in the end, if, if I'm telling someone that can handle this with grace and care and love and a take note personality, Right. You know, right. this can actually better her life, better her parenting, better her friendships, better her marriage in the end. That's something we don't think about, but that's it made everything the better. Truth. Everything. There's not one bad thing that I would say came out of this. You know, maybe I had those hard conversations with my parents. That was hard, but at the end of the day, they see me for who I am and it's who I am and what I'm thinking. And I feel really good about that. And I'm Mm. still, you know, 
I still talk to my parents. It's not as if I'm not talking to them. I still talk to them, but they know where I stand. They know how I feel. And I still have those expectations and I'm not going to let it lie. And the reality is you do take a chance of losing relationships. Mm-hmm. And I have lost relationships by coming out of my, about my abuse. Mm-hmm. I have truly lost relationships and it is scary and you will lose relationships. But when you look at it, are you going to stop loving somebody because they came to you with the darkest part of them? Mm-hmm. I'm not. And if that's somebody who, if you go to somebody about your abuse and they turn their back on you, take Those note. Those are not your people. They are not your people. And do you want them really in your corner half-ass? Do you want those kind of relationships? I don't. And when somebody shows you who they are, believe them and keep it moving. I would rather have a few good people who truly know me and everything I come with, which listen, is a lot, (laughs) than false people. I don't need that. I don't want that. Yeah. And that's why it's worth it to come out about the darkest, ugliest parts of you be seen, honey. Yeah. Because it's what makes you the beautiful person you are. We're all a beautiful mess. And Mm -hmm. if you can't, if you can't take me with my mess, you don't deserve the beautiful part of me. (laughs) Mm. Everyone has stuff. Nobody is perfect. That's true. And more anxiety. So yeah. Oh, yes. My last question would be, let's say a survivor listening is saying, well, I did tell, but you know, I finally found the courage to tell the person that I really wanted to tell, but it wasn't, it wasn't my Amy. Yeah. Now what? Call me. I'll be your Amy. <laughs> April, <laughs> we're not opening that door. <laughs> I'm going to set up. that boundary for you. <laughs> There you go. (laughs) I think if you tell, I think if you go to this person who you have deemed a safe person, your person, the person you want to tell your story with, if they don't meet you where you're at, or they don't answer you in the way you needed, Mm -hmm. give them some time, tell them, okay, I see that I've shocked you, or I've seen that you're not able to give me what I need right now. Take some time, educate yourself, ask me questions, be cautious of those questions. But I think that you can open up the lines of communication to tell your person what you need from them. There have been a couple friends where I said, I've got to tell you something and this is what I need from you. So if you're a survivor and you're going to somebody, I think it would be important to say, I'm about to tell you something that's really heavy and deep. And this is what I need from you. Mm-hmm. Also, and- I think- I don't need a response. I just right. need to listen. So don't respond with anything with what I'm about to tell you. I just need you to listen. And when you're ready to talk about it, let me know. And I don't need you to fix it. I just, I love you. You're somebody important to me. I need to tell you this. I need you to sit with it. And then we can have a conversation. Mm-hmm. We don't need somebody to fix it. We're coming to you and telling you the darkest part of us. You can't fix that. 
We just want to know if you're a safe place to hold that information. That's well, all. Amy, say- Amy didn't fix it for you, April. You nope. would say she wanted everything, of course, but you can look back and you can say it was everything. It did this and this and this, and it was so amazing for my healing, but she also didn't fix it. So I think that's an important thing for survivors to remember that if we even find the most perfect, you know, sisterhood like this, it's the expectation that it's going to fix it all needs to be dropped because that, that won't help. You cannot fix it. You cannot fix our abuse. You cannot fix what happened in the past. You can sit with us currently and just be there, be a safe place for us to fall. That's all we need. I think it's normal to want to fix it. Cause of course I want to fix it. Cause that's what I, that's me. I'm a fixer. I like making people happy. Yeah. Um, but you can't fix it. And everything that I've done or said, or will continue to do is because I want to do it. And I want to see her through the process. I want to make the rest of the time that we have together. Amazing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because life is short and I want to make the best of it. Yeah. Yeah. April has to take the steps, but you're willing to hold her along the way, hold her hand Just or like this podcast, you yes. know, mm-hmm. she asked me about it. And I said, I'll do whatever you want to do. I support you mm-hmm. in whatever you want to do, whatever's going to help you on your healing process. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. <laughs> I love that. Well, and not only are you helping her, you've helped a lot of other people listening today. So thank you, Amy, for being willing to be that sister that we all wish we had. And, and especially for walking with my dear friend, April, April, thank you so much for your courage, for your journey, for your wisdom, (laughs) for your humor, for everything. (laughs) Um, This has been so meaningful and we're really grateful for, for your story together. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Love you too. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.